Hi guys, welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast with me, Jade. And I am Ed. And yeah, we're going to get into it. Um, we're going to get into this. How was your week? No, you go first. How's your week? <laughs> Actually, no, I'm going to go first because part of your week is going to be part of the episode. So let's talk about me. Um, do you know what? I never really know because I can only think of yesterday. And I don't think yesterday was a reflection of my week. But yesterday I was very much in the bed, um, which is my favourite pastime. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was just like, I was feeling extremely anxious. Um, I was feeling extremely unable to just deal with with life. Mm. And so I just let the day pass and I just stayed in bed. I also got some bad news um regarding some a work opportunity um that I was really hoping would come through for me mm. um but unfortunately it didn't so yeah but then towards the end of the evening like I got up I washed at what 8 p.m or something um I like tidied up a bit and I just burnt some incense candles music so yeah I think it ended well um that's the summary of my week that's all I remember mm. from my week how was your week um yeah it's been a <clears throat> it's been a good week it's been tiring though I'm tired but um yeah it's been good um I was asked to speak at a conference on um narcissistic abuse um and yeah it was the first time that I've been asked to speak at an event so that was really interesting yeah it was interesting it was dope it was dope um there were a lot of it was majority white women in the room so there were probably about 25 attendees and yeah two-thirds of them were white then the other women were black there was one Asian woman and um I think there were four Four speakers, yeah, I think four speakers, um, and yeah, it was good. It was really interesting. It was good to see. It was good to meet different people and connect with different people, and yeah, it was good. It was good. How was your experience of speaking, like public speaking? Um, so I think you, you, <coughs> and two other people were proper on my case in like we, we're coming we're coming we want to come we want to come um and so I was anxious before I was nervous before I was I'm very like I'm my worst enemy in in ways so to me I was just like oh my gosh I need to make sure that this is proper sick. Like, like I can't just be talking and then I'm sensing the energy in the room that I'm not being received well because I'll, I'll die at the front. <laughs> um, so there's that anxiety. And then there was like, my mates want to come. And then if you lot come and then it's shit. And then the, and also the event is shit, I'll die. So I was very anxious leading up to it. And then I think, I actually think that my nervousness and my anxiety, like it goes through the roof to the point that I can't feel anything anymore, basically. Okay. Like, I'm just numb. Okay. So that carries me. That numbness is what's mm. able to carry me. Um, 
So by the time I got up there, I was just like, you have to, you're just doing this. Like, Mm -hmm. you're just doing this. You're just here and you're just doing it. I made extensive notes and I didn't even look at the paper once. Yeah, Mm. because, yeah, I'll just, I'll just be reading the notes. Like, I'll be reading bullet points from the paper. Just, yeah. So it was interesting. It was interesting. Yeah, but it sounds like you were in your element when you got up there and you were able to, because you know a lot about, you know too much about <laughs> narcissistic <laughs> abuse and narcissism is your favourite word. I'm doing a PhD. So, yeah. yeah. PhD, guys. On narcissism <laughs> yeah. and narcissistic abuse and narc- he's a narcissist, you know. <laughs> like, I can't I can't bring any guy to JJ. No, I think he's a narcissist, you know. Like, but yeah. So, you know, you know what you're talking about, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, um, obviously there's like my spirit anyway is that a very a very anxious one so there's that and then on top of that like I don't have any qualifications I haven't even done um a level psychology you're very rude what? you're sitting there with your master saying that you've got no qualifications no so I mean as in in psychology okay. specifically okay. yeah that's what I mean so like okay if I come and talk about politics you can't chat to me mm-hmm. um in an ideal world you can't talk to me but in terms of psychology, so it's not just my anxiety, but on top of that, it's like, so when did you study, yeah, for real. you know, the psychology, babe? Um, I haven't. But it is school it's of life. life. It's the school of because life. Because me, I'm sitting here, my highest qualification is GCSEs. That's my highest qualification. You have A-level equivalent. I mean, I have, I mean, I have no equivalent. Oh, oh, equivalent. Yeah, 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 I dropped yeah. out of college. So I'm sitting here with my GCSEs. I did well, though, you know. Man did well. Man did that right. But um, yeah. Um I think I've I'm the opposite of you. Yeah. In the sense that I probably talk like because I, I know my one, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like you lot don't know what you're talking about <laughs> with your dumb, dumb degrees. Mm. And not, no, let me not. That's definitely my my jealousy. Because if I could have a degree, I would have it. I just haven't been able to bust the uni thing. It didn't work for me. But um you're sitting there with your kind of textbook knowledge. But you don't know what you're talking about. Mm. Whereas I proper know what I'm talking about. And on top of my lived experience, you're an intelligent woman. You've researched. So you're not talking mm. from a from a perspective of just experience as well. Yeah. Like you've, you've researched extensively. Mm. You've de- dedicated a lot of your time understanding narcissism. <laughs> so I'm you better go and talk. to the narcissist yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, and it was, it was good. I was very much myself. I was very much myself, which is something that I'm, I think I'm learning to like, just accept that like, you just have to be yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you actually have to, because I did. So this is part of, this is actually part of the PT. This is part of the complex PTSD after the like abusive um, relationship. I used to stammer, you know? So I never used to, I've never had any problems with my speech. Never. Like I've been fine um, throughout my whole life, got into the relationship and like just the gaslighting and the the cognitive dissonance and like the deliberate confusion would make me very uncertain with what I was saying and like just overly mindful and overly anxious with everything I was saying to the point where I started to stammer and I just, yeah, I had a lot of brain fog too. Mm. So um, I can't put pressure on myself basically i can't put pressure on myself to try and be something that i'm not because that will evoke the the stammering and and the 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 brain fog and whatever yeah Yeah. so i actually just have to be myself so there was one woman 
at the conference and she came because she was just a woman and she was separated from her partner and they had a they have a six-year-old son and they've been broken up for five years but it's literally been five years of um uh not not indirect but distant abuse so he's just mad like he's just a madman he does a madness all the time and she's now just now beginning court proceedings so she's got a case um at the beginning of may in terms like to do with the child so Mm -hmm. the custody and the custody battle and so she was asking people questions she was like i just wanted to know like what should i do when you're dealing with a narcissistic person and a child is involved Mm. and she was white and um, she was talking about her son a bit, and I was, I was just like, "It's your child's, it's your son's spirit that's repelling the dad." <laughs> it's your son's spirit mm-hmm. that's repelling the dad. Your son's spirit can feel the father's spirit. Mm-hmm. And the black woman in the, <laughs> the black woman in the comments was like, "Yes." yes. <laughs> you know, like, yes. But yeah, I have to be, I have to be myself, yeah. you know. The white woman, she got it. Yeah. She's got it. That's your USP, though. Mm. That is actually your USP. So, f- like, I know for me, I proper don't have nothing else to give you. you <laughs> I can't give you what's not, like, I don't have, I don't even, I can't even, even my vocab is even limited. My, like, right. I don't have nothing to give you, lot, but I can give you Ezra in it. Mm. Like, I can give you me. And then you deal with that one. Yeah. You deal with that one. But I-, I think this is interesting because I think just so the topic that we've just decided to speak about today is um trauma and particularly trauma in the hood mm. or in the hood context and um that is off the back of obviously this week um Nipsey Hussle was killed mm-hmm. <sighs> Which is even like, even saying that it just feels very heavy. It has felt very heavy for me personally. Mm. Um, And I know that just as a people, globally, I think there has been different adverse reactions to that. Mm. Um, And so as you're describing some of the trauma that you've experienced based on a very particular relationship construct that is from the hood yeah in a good context yeah in Mm -hmm. that context um and it has it has had kind of long-lasting effects on you and Mm -hmm. that's just one a dot on the on the long list of things that you could say that in the hood context Mm -hmm. that you've experienced Mm -hmm. that have that you've been traumatized by Mm. um and i think what happens when, so for example, with Nipsey being killed, I think that there is a collective mourning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there is a collective um, reaction or just as like everyone that is from a certain environment, even if you're not, like even if you're not, people will mourn. But I think mm-hmm. when you're from a certain environment and when you've grown up around certain things, there is just a like, just a reaction but it's it's a like we all i think everyone we're all on the same page this this one here or things like this we're all on the same page mm. and i think that there's a collective trauma attached to that um yeah i found with um i found with my ex 
that I found the hood very death focused. So it was like a lot of reference was made to death. And that was either when you're honoring somebody, like you, the people that you honored the most, like the highest of mm-hmm. the high person in your like psyche were people that were dead, mm-hmm. the people that had passed. Um, their, their passing, so the anniversary of their passing yeah. was like so heavily memorialized. Like just in the same way you'd remember your mum's birthday or your own birthday Mm -hmm. or your best friend's birthday, that person's um, memorial day for when they died and when they were buried was like proper calcified in their mind. Not to say that you should be now forgetting Mm -hmm. someone, but it was proper like, so it's like, my I feel like my, yeah, my ex was like, when we were like, not not getting to know each other because we knew each other from we were teens essentially but when we were like getting to know each other in a in a relationship context quote unquote um I remember telling him oh yeah my birthday is January 24th and him rounding off like oh um my boy that died his birthday is like January I don't know 21st or something like that and he died day and it was just like before you tell me like, oh, you're an Aquarius. Like, mm. you're, do you know what I mean? Um, mm. Yeah, I just remember, and I remember he had like two, three, three shrines on his wall um, that he had even made, creatively made put himself. The rosary, put the, t- yeah. Of, of all of the, of the people that yeah. had died. Yeah. It proper governed him, like death governed him. And I think his spirit and who he is is probably separate because I think that even people that don't have his spirit, which is a one of darkness, I think that they also follow and do these things. And my ex moved between several houses when we were together, I think three or even four in total. He lived in four different places when we were together. And them things f- came with him. Like, they're going up on the wall. They're mm. one of the first things that are getting taken out and put up on the wall, you know. Um, and I just, I just, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I don't know. I, so something that when I was thinking, so the, Nip, the Nipsey situation it proper spun me, you know. It proper spun me mm. as a fan of his music, as a fan of just him, like him. Like I'm, you know me already. I proper don't know celebrities. <laughs> like, I don't know anything. <laughs> You'll be showing me, oh, this person. I'll be looking, I don't know who that is, you yeah. know. Um, and with him, I just fucked with him, you know. Mm. I actually messed with him. Mm. Um... And to the point where I've like watched his interviews and I just know a little bit, I don't know anything about anyone, but with him, I know a little bit more. Mm. I was a fan. Mm. Um, And one of my first thoughts was, I do not know any other community. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist or that I'm, I'm saying I do not know of any other community who has 
this relationship with murder and death. Yeah. Yeah. So I do not know any other community whose icons, whose um, community leaders, whose artists are perpetually killed in the way that we expect we we actually expect our artists icons mm. and leaders to be killed mm, mm-hmm. um and i was just like i was deep in it i was like as mad as it is because it's 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 nip it's mad but then crenshaw that community and just murder and violence in globally like around any corner of the world it's mad mm. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not my relationship with death and murder. And I, I think naming it, so even like in the UK context, someone's been stabbed or someone's been shot, it will be so-and-so got shot, you know, or so-and-so got stabbed or, or so-and-so died. We've seldom acknowledged so-and-so was murdered. Um, and it is just so common it is murder is so common in a way that I can't think of any other community mm. um that have to deal with murder as frequently mm-hmm. as as we do. I definitely agree with that. And again, I feel like so I agree. I agree with everything that you said. But I think that there's a it's, it's negative, Holist, like it's holistically negative, but I think in terms of like when we look at black men as perpetrators of the violence and the murders yeah. of the black men that we mourn. So for example, so I've seen now that they've, that they're now showing the mugshot of the man that's been charged mm. with murdering Nipsey Hussle, who is another black man. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at it in that context, I think that the way that the trauma has desensitized us is very scary because you lot will now go out and duppy someone. Mm. And that's exactly the words that you'll use. I'm duppying the man or I'm um, I'm going to go get that brother. Mm. Like you're not, I'm murdering, I'm taking their life. I'm taking mm. someone's son, father, brother. Like I am... Like, do you know what I mean? You're no one will know you past that day. No one will know you past that age. That's what you're doing. Like you're you've got power over someone's mortality and you're taking that power and you're using it arbitrarily. You know, you're playing God um, just because you felt disrespected or because his boy done something to your boy two years ago. Um, but he was the loudest in the group, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do him in, you know, um, and that's very scary, and that's that's always been very pertinent in my mind because I think of my ex again, and the way that violence was just something that you just used on a daily basis. It wasn't even a thing, and it was used as a coping mechanism for him also on top of it. So I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's like a sadism with it as well. I just, I, so I feel like the trauma is twofold. So it's not only the mourning and the hurt and the processing of the pain because someone has, someone you loved has gone or someone you knew has gone. It's also the trauma of like the desensitization 
when we when we think about violence and and violence to the degree that you're taking someone's life. Mm. Yeah, I see it twofold as well. Or I see two sides of the coin. So I'm very much, um, obviously in my work, um, I work with young people and I have done, um, I've done quite a fair bit of work in the quote unquote serious youth violence sector. Um, and I've had I've buried young people. So I've had young people that I've worked with quite intensively who have been killed. And I've also worked with young people that have murdered. Mm. Um, and I have... The only person that I was somewhat... I went, yeah, somewhat close to that um, that has been murdered in my lifetime was murdered by people that I knew okay um yeah was murdered by people that were very much I was very much linked to as well mm. so I was able to see the I was able to experience and feel the mourning and the loss of the 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 victim and I was also able to see and feel the different type of mourning and loss of the perpetrators for going mm. away Mm. and um that's always really spun me that's always really um just i'm i very much see i don't know like i can't sort of nip and i won't and i won't attempt to but i i i'm not i don't i wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if in his lifetime he could have been on the other end Okay. Of mm. yeah, what he was victim to. Yeah, it wouldn't like it wouldn't be too outrageous as a, a a suggestion. And I don't know. And to be honest, when it comes to America and the hood stuff there, that's a different. It's a different game. I don't even know mm. what the prevalence of violence there mm. is different in it and guns and that and da da da. However, I very much see it as a spectrum, and I very much see. When you are a product of a certain environment, you can become victim or you can become perpetrator. Mm. And the two are linked. And the two are not. So the guy that is oftentimes the guy that is murdered. And I'm, and again, this is quite a male-centric discussion. It's not only men, especially. Yeah, it's not only men. In recent years, I've been working a lot more with female perpetrators. Okay. Um of of violence and murder um but anyway i think it's it, yeah the the person that's the victim in many many cases could also have been the perpetrator mm. or was at some point has at some point been the perpetrator mm. and so when i think about the collective community trauma i think about loss on every level mm. like the people that have gone away, that's there's a loss there. Yeah, there is a loss. Mm-hmm. And knowing, even as a mother, knowing that my child has murdered, as a sister, as a girlfriend, seeing like, so my friend that was killed in 2010, that one, that murder there affected the community. Mm. And to this day, still that, like, everybody was, was mourning that one. Mm. And as a mother you 
in, from the same community, mm-hmm. like you're you're going to work and someone's going to be crying at work over this young person that's yeah. been killed and you know it's your child that yeah. did that. Mm-hmm. And I just think there's just layers to this to this trauma, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't know in terms of how to start addressing it, but I do think that it's when so I know with 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 Nipsey's murder, I know how I feel. Who is Quay on the other side of the world? Who has never met or spoken to the man? Had no personal relationship mm-hmm. with him. And then I think about his partner. That one. Children. She put in her Instagram post, my protector, my sanctuary. And I was just like, how does one reconcile that type of loss? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And it's it's scary. It's scary to think that this will not be the last person we mourn. Going back to, because obviously it's Lauren London. And I think Lauren London, even on like a, I think... I think you can you can sense her spirit, like just seeing her in pictures, movie, whatever. Mm. She's a very soft woman, mm. gentle, soft woman. Um, and I think it's very very sad when we look at that. So when we like move away from looking at just like the male stuff and we think of like the interpersonal relationships that men and women in that context will have mm-hmm. and it's almost like a um an accomplishment and a badge of honor to have a woman that knows love mm. so to have a woman at your side that knows love she is able to receive love so she she takes in and she appreciates and she nurtures the softest side of these men who are right th- those that are able to love um and she has obviously accepted the not the darker sides of these men also. Um, but this is a woman that doesn't actually have darkness to that degree. Um and they carry like they carry in it. Um and even prior to his him dying, I again I don't I can't speak for them, I don't know them, so I can only speak in a more general sense and based off of my own experiences. Um, and the close experiences but that interpersonal dynamic that we as women who see and appreciate men in that context there's a heavy heavy burden that you carry and I think that the burden begins way before their passing or their like them going to prison or whatever and it's a spirit thing like it's a proper spiritual thing as well um, I remember at times. So I feel like I've ru- I feel like I ran away from myself for a long time. Like e- like in in the relationship, I ran away from myself a long time. I know like I know me. I know like the things I feel, the things I know of myself, and whatever. Um, and I just remember at very like points, very far apart from one another, attempting to reconcile 
and morally with myself. Like, you know what this person is capable of. You know how this person chooses to live their life. Um, you're aware of the choices that they make. You're aware of the belief, like their beliefs. And I think that's where the burden begins, that you've accepted like the, the extent of their darkness. Mm-hmm. Like you've, ex- you've accepted that, yeah, the darkness of that person's spirit um, and the burden begins there. And then they, in the case of Nipsey, you go, you're gone. And I just think that women carry carry so much burden and so much pain and just uh, compromise themselves like to a degree that no one no one appreciates no one like respects and sees apart from other women and other women in that context or in so for example with Lauren London and Nipsey I think they are kind of the ideal hood couple yeah, they are. So I think of this age. I think Nas and Khalees yeah, were of but, that era. Uh, yeah. Let's not talk about them because it's personal, in it. <laughs> that one hits me how it's ended, didn't it? Anyway. <laughs> but um, I think yeah, I think of this. Like, I feel like they would. I think Nip and Lauren London. It's just like I think most people look at and be like, oh, like, or do you know what I mean? And particularly because because he's. Uh, quote-unquote reformed hood or whatever of the hood but doing so well for himself and da, 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 and then he's got this beautiful babe and it's just like that's the dream mm. in a sense but we need to not be we need sorry if you was going to say something more but i just wanted to quickly put in that thing like that thing is a dumb lie like it's mm-hmm. a dumb lie because that is even what was holding me you know mm-hmm. like the people the way that oh like yeah, no, nah, you've done well, bro. Like, mm-hmm. not to me, but to him. Like, yeah. oh, you've done well. Like, oh, nah, like, mm-hmm. I want to be like you. I want a girl like mm-hmm. Jade. Every day, mm-hmm. like, that was the narrative, you know? And, yeah. And it, if, it, it's interesting because um, I think in, I don't, again, I, I hate talking about celebrities because I probably don't know yeah. if, I don't know anyone what they were doing behind closed doors in it. However, just from my perception of their relationship and my perception or my understanding of like that context of a relationship where the guy's a bit rough around the edges, the girl appears to be a lot softer mm. and whatever, accepting, forgiving and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like he it you're rooting for it because it you you from an outsider looking in it looks like they're winning like it looks like he's turned his life around he's very very intelligent man he's set up all these business ventures his music is about to really fly like victory lap was it was a good album do you mm. know what I mean and you're getting recognised before Victor Rap I'm not gonna lie I didn't listen to him mm. it was actually one devil devil let me not call him that but it was one guy that I used to talk to that that put me on mm. and um, yeah like so you kind of see them winning mm. and within that I think ev- because you see them winning I think men and female Males and females, sorry, will look at Lauren London and their heart is just breaking. I think, I don't think that it's, I think 
anyone looking in on that situation will know or will feel um, for her. Yeah. Because they're winning. But I, then I think about all the couples that aren't quote unquote winning. Mm. And I, t- I bring it back to kind of um, London hood context. And I think about exactly the couples that are not winning or the couples that are not kind of, I have, I in my own head haven't romanticized. Mm. But then the women are still carrying, like the women are still the collateral damage. Like they're still carrying all this rubbish, anxiety. Like I used to fully get the runs. Let's I used to fully it. get the runs if like if I felt like yes. he was in danger yes. or and you know intuition and that and then yes. sometimes he's just playing FIFA somewhere but mum like no he hasn't picked up you're two calls is he dead me. did they like and genuinely like my physiology if that's the word I'm looking for my body you're was like rejecting the fear and the anxiety of wow. the context of my love. I, yeah, I proper feel you and I proper hear you. That was, yeah. I know, I know about the runs. <laughs> <laughs> I know about the runs. I know about it. Um, and what you're saying about the couples that are not held on high like they were because mm. they happened to be in the public eye um, and met within the industry and what have you. I very much agree with, but I also see that the reason why we loved them so much and held them on high because, so let's look at Lauren London and Nipsey and then look, let's look at Megan Good and Devon Franklin. Now, I don't know who that is. Oh. I know Megan Good. Okay. But what I'm saying, so so with the Nipsey and the Megan thing, you know that a lot of how we're seeing that and what we're seeing and our perception of them as a unit is centred on how happy we are for Nipsey. So, mm-hmm. like, let's, irrespective of, like, him genuinely, like, doing a lot of work in the community. Mm-hmm. So let's even take, so let's say he doesn't do any work in the community. Um, and he's just a rapper and he's just doing well. Like he's getting millions of listens and mm. what have you. Similar to even Meek Mill and Nicki Minaj, like that rough around the edges hood guy mm. and you've got your babe. Mm. We're just happy for you, you know, mm. like we're just happy for you. Um, and it's very much focused on the man. Like we're happy for the man. Um, whereas, and that's why they were like, they were on the road to being iconic as a mm. couple. Mm-hmm. Now let's flip the script and look at Megan Good and Devon Franklin. Now Megan Good is not Nipsey Hustle. She's she's she was, but she was definitely rough around the edges compared to at at points oh, in yeah, her life. Oh yeah, she's with a pastor, isn't it? Yeah, she's yeah. with a pastor. No, Megan Good was proper the the pinnacle of sexy girl, yeah, like sexy yeah, black girl. Yeah. No one don't look upon Megan again. Like mm-hmm. no one is happy for her. No one is. Ha- looking at them like they're doing goals. I think goals. people are. Maybe the Christian not community yeah, the, 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 is... The Christian... The even... C- even <laughs> but let me just not. <laughs> even Ciara and her man... The Congolese brother. 
Hmm? Yeah, she's with her Congolese brother. Her, Russell Wilson. I might be lying though, you know. You're you know, lying. I just make, You're just no, a dumb liar. Oh, check after. But I actually think he's Congolese because I think she was cooking some Congolese food once. Oh, yeah. Really? I think he's Congolese, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but he's a football, he's African American and he's football, he's a football player. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I think he's very Christian as well. And he's obviously like not a future, like he's very soft mm-hmm. and like. <laughs> He's very soft and he's just not like she, if anything, she's even the rough around the edges mm-hmm. one in it. She had, she came with a child. She came with a dumb fuck boy ex. Like she leveled, like she, he's even brought her, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, up to it, to an extent. Um, He's a good, very good compliment to her essentially. But I feel like the tide has even turned on Ciara. Like people just don't like, we don't, we don't see Ciara in the same way now that she's, with somebody who like compliments a softer mm-hmm. side of her. Um, but when she was with Future, everyone was on her. When she was single and then when she was with Future, everyone was on her. Mm-hmm. Do you know That's what I true. mean? Um, and so I just say that to say that I think we need to be very cognizant of what we're even looking at. Like what we're looking at and what we're praising is women coming and helping men. Or win- women coming and like really complimenting men in in the interpersonal relationship or in that interpersonal dynamic. I agree with you. Um, I do agree with you, but I think I'm just bringing it to me on a personal level. Mm-hmm. But there is something about that type of man mm-hmm. that I will also, if I'm able to get a reformed one and Don't a get refined me one. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> So there's something about that that I'm equally winning. So I don't oh. I don't feel like if that I'm equally winning in the sense that you have got a an understand I'm proper in my head I'm laughing at this right now because um me and Joyce were talking the other day about our birthday. And okay. when we was talking about we need a head. Oh man. yeah. <laughs> and and the way everyone was looking at us that we're mad. Yeah. But um no, but, and I don't need to his guy just to put that out there. Um, however, I think there's, I feel like if I could meet someone mm-hmm. that I'm equally, equally yoked with, both in terms of my lived experience and where I am today and the mind that I have today and the person I am today. And the spirit. And the spirit that I have, then I'm winning. I am mm. winning mm-hmm. equally. So mm-hmm. it's not, it's not just that, oh yeah, I'm going to come in and, and offer whatever Big I offer as a woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there is, I think there's something about, I don't know. And to be honest, I don't know enough about either Lauren and I definitely I don't. don't I don't, them. but I think so. I'm just um, kind of aligning the, like to, um, I'm just aligning that element of yeah. things. So I, like for all we know, Nipsey could have proper kept her fully away mm-hmm. from that side of mm-hmm. his life it could have literally just been a freak like it just happened on mm-hmm. that day that yeah. he was just leaving the store you know um and he could have proper not been fucking with anyone for a little for a hot mm-hmm. minute or whatever but i think just like generally when we look more generally at that dynamic of what we're viewing and what we've perceived as we've watched their relationship is good girl yeah, bad boy yeah, yeah. um and real like a proper bad yeah. boy not no joking um we we love we love it. We're proper praising yeah, it, yeah. and it, I just think that the place that that comes from is very dangerous. Um, because even me, like, I remember my ex came to my graduation, 
um, for my first degree. And like people were just so happy that he was like attending his graduation. <laughs> like not that he was graduating. <laughs> but they were just happy. You're there, you're like, at the graduation. Like you're proper at your girl's graduation. Like, yeah, like I rate that. Like they were proper happy. Yeah. Like his mum was happy, you yeah. know. Because she's not uh, let me not talk about that. <laughs> but even my gonna, own mum was happy, yeah. like do you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> but it's sad, you know. It's proper sad, and I, ugh, it's sad. And then when I think about, ugh, it's sad, you know. And there's so mu- there's so much to get into, but I, it's part of the trauma. And I think that when we look at kind of our community, I think it's so important to think about the layers and the level like even just in this podcast in this episode Mm. we've spoken about so many different angles Mm -hmm. that this one event um that we can go down so many different paths where we can talk about the different layers to this trauma Mm -hmm. um and when these things are happening and our relationship with death and our relationship with murder particularly Mm. um and it's just it's layered man very 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 layered but in terms of going forward in terms of so i feel like i feel like this is even the foundation of our friendship um that un- so there's like <coughs> an understanding that in terms of pursuing a partner there's you have to have had particular experiences. You have to just know certain things. You have to, yeah, like there's just certain particular things in it. Um, and they come from or they're based within a hood context. Mm. But I very much understand now after my experience, um, after my experience in a very toxic um, abusive relationship with a toxic and abusive person. Narcissist. Yeah, <laughs> that that is like that's very that's a like it has to be like it has to be patterned properly, in it that you can't just be collecting any 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 good brother. So in terms of going forward, like how do you even reconcile the elements that you want? Like how do you take the elements that you want and leave the things that you can't have behind? I would rather not have it really so you would go out with like a neek i would much rather if my option is to go out of a neek or or someone that is like just doesn't get it over someone that gets it but he's on the spectrum and he can slide further down towards Mm, the pits of hell the pits of hell i'm not doing that again but I feel sick when I talk to <laughs> You're sick. You're actually just a dumb girl. That's why. <laughs> You're just a dumb girl and you like rubbish. So that's, that's yeah, we're not even going to talk about that here. But, um, yeah, I will much, what? Do you think I can die? Do you think I'm going to come and die? I'm talking, the whole, this episode is about trauma and about the trauma that I've experienced and the da 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 I'm not, anything that will potentially add to that i'm i'm too fearful because mm. i know what i've passed through and to be honest if i even think about 
the, the particular ex that I'm thinking about, it, I am so, like, so much has happened since then. I wouldn't even know how to navigate that kind of a situation. Mm, for real. I wouldn't even know how to navigate that. For real. Well, like, how would I be with him? Like, for what, how? For real. You're not even, you're, yeah, you're not even wrong. And I think as well, like, so I discussed this in my talk yesterday about, like, how sustained the trauma was. So, like... Is. Is, in it? Um, but as in when it's, like, proper direct, so it's, like, it's mm. you that's running to like go and hide the money mm-hmm. or is you that's running to go and wipe the knife mm-hmm. or is you that's running to the police station or is you that's running to go and move the car or is you that's running because you heard something happen mm-hmm. um that sustained level of like your heart is in your brain exactly. like your heart has actually yeah. jumped up to your brain um and how that how that sort of governs your life going forward for many 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 years um, and I didn't know what that I know. I knew what PTSD was because I know like, oh yeah, war veterans mm. suffer from PTSD and it's like a severe mental health problem. And, you know, that's why we need funds for war veterans mm-hmm. because of the PTSD and they need mental health support and they can be on benefits for the rest of their life because of the PTSD. And then I, and I'm just like thinking about like a lot of my patterns and a lot of my behaviors since exiting the relationship and coming away from sustained trauma and my complex PTSD. And you're right. I can't, I can't be in a situation like that. As much as I joke and I'm like, I would say, oh, it is, but I feel sick. Like I can't talk to the brother because I feel sick. Um, as much as I joke and stuff on a very, very, very serious thing we really don't deep, we don't, we're not cognizant of what we've done to ourselves. Yeah, I'm cognizant too. <laughs> 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 Me, I know, I, was, I know what I've done, bruv. And that's why I'm not, I, I can never do that again. As it, We're cognizant now, but back then, when I was running every other week, and my heart is jumping and I'm nervous and I'm anxious and I'm like paranoid. Me, para- paranoid for what? Like, and I'm just still running. Me, I'm shitting up the place and then thinking you're dead. And then I find out that you're with a girl <laughs> and I'm even happy. <laughs> I'm even, like, yeah, but he's, he's not dead. Okay. Wow. And even like up until fairly recently, I've pictured, and not even in the wicked way, God is my witness, so not that I'm wishing it, Mm -hmm. but I've pictured his funeral so so many times, you know, and I always think, where am I going to sit and where's the mother of his kids going to sit? I know that's bad, but I always just think, you're going to die, I'm going to bury you. I um, used to, I think it was, so, okay, in my, in the relationship with my ex, um, I didn't know the level and the extent of the fuckery um, for a little bit. So he went to prison within the first year of our relationship. 
But even when he went to prison, I didn't know what happened. It was his very unprofessional solicitor that was like, yes, whole like, so the stabbing. And I was like, mm. hmm? <laughs> stabbing who? Like, mm-hmm. um, so I didn't know. And it's like a picture was built up as time progressed. So maybe by like two and the, the two and a half year point, three year point, I would constantly have like flash images in my mind of his funeral, me at his funeral. Mm-hmm. Um, constantly that constant constant so when you're saying that i'm even surprised that it's only now because mm. the brother's even calm now mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. be fair um but yeah I've only, it's only very recently that i'm like okay i'm not gonna bury you yeah it's only yeah. like and by very recently i mean probably that like 2017 2016 okay yeah. where i'm like yeah i'm not, i probably won't have to bury yeah. you you're probably gonna live a long you'll be all right. life yeah, you'll be all right. fit as well well that done bloody mate. wind up merchant yeah he's a wind up merchant but he's gonna live um yeah. whereas i i i like genuinely when up throughout the whole time i was with him and throughout my whole kind of teenage early adult years I was convinced. Yeah. I was yeah. convinced I'm going to bury him. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know at what point, when or how, but I was like, there's no way you're going to. Yeah. Yeah. For real. And how can you just, and like you're living with that, you know, mm-hmm. imagine living with that thought. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I prefer knowing that you're cheating on me at a woman's house. That's why you was missing my calls all night. I'm happy. That's good news because you're not dead mm. or like you're getting stabbed and I'm proper. I will never forget one time, um, the first time he got stabbed, he had walked um, a couple of us to the bus stop. We, we'd gone to a, a, a Shubs in Chestnut Park. And he'd walked up to the bus stop. And we was young. We was mad young. Mad, mad young. And um, we got back to Jessica's house and... Obviously, I got the call and I just jumped onto the bed. Like, <laughs> it's not funny, but I proper just collapsed. Like, I like collapsed onto the bed mm. and I'm what, probably 13 at the time. Oh and I'm rushing from Caledonia Road to North Middlesex Hospital. And and it was just mad. Yeah. It's a ma- it, hmm. And that's from 13. Imagine, yeah, and then what, like, or it's just mad, like trauma, violence, and working in the sector that I work in. You see, like, this is a proper daily. People navigate this on a. It's only now that I'm out of like I'm not around violence, and I don't violence aside from my work, but on a personal level. Like, I don't really see or hear of my people being victims or perpetrators of that type of violence. Mm. Um, but I'm like, I th- we just live with it. As a community, we just live with it. So even whether or not you're involved, you're not involved or whatever, we just live with violence as a backdrop to our experiences. It's crazy because I think that there's also this false notion that it's just strength. So as you're going, like you're just going along and you're dealing mm. with all of it and you're like, you're doing the running up and down. So you're running to the hospital, or you're running to the prison or you're sorting out the paperwork for the solicitor or all of the things that you're doing. We're like, 
there's a full there's a false narrative and a very dangerous narrative um that exists that tells us that it's just strength like you're just being strong yeah. this is just what you this is what you ought to be doing this is what you have to be doing um and I definitely believed that. I definitely believed like, yeah, no, you just that you got you're being strong. You're just being an, a strong woman, and you're just rolling with the punches, not knowing that the punches are like spinning my spine, bruv. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I remember one time the prick, um, basically consumed like three grams of cocaine, um. Because he had to eat it because the police were behind him and they put on their lights asking him to pull over. So he had about three grams grams of coke on him. And he's um he's obviously like shot in whatever you're doing. Um got three grams of coke on him, eating it. Police have stopped him, cool, 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 check him, check the car, like it's all good, cool, have a nice night. He then drives to like he he decides to now drive to me because you know that the coke is gonna it's gonna do something to mm-hmm. you in it so he's on his way to me but decides to divert and go to a friend's diverts and goes to a friend's who's at having a little house party little thing and ends up collapsing in the street i get a phone call that he's been rushed to hospital and i just remember it was like two in the morning and I was asleep. I was working full time at the time and it was a Friday night. Um, so I'm sleeping. I get this phone call. He's in hospital. He he was collapsing the road. We don't know what happened. Duh, 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 duh. And I just remember almost being on autopilot and I was just like putting on like my clothes yeah. and I phoned the cab and I'm like, oh, let me bring a blanket. Yeah. And, I f- and I'm yeah. folding up a blanket and I'm taking it and I'm gone, I've gone to the hospital and he's in the resuscitation unit. And I just remember like that, not even like the pain, yeah. not even dropping until yeah. days later. Like, wow, you were in the resuscitation unit, mm-hmm. and I'm like making sure that you're breathing when you're like when they're pumping you with water, um, and I'm holding your willy so that you can wee in the like in the container thing, um, because you can't you can't move you're out of it like you don't mm-hmm. know what's going on you don't know what day it is but because his body's being pumped with water and he's got to flush the thing out he's weeing constantly so I'm proper holding his willy like into mm-hmm. the thing um, and it, yeah and I'm just doing it you know and then I'm thinking in my head ah oh, I think that I should buy some bread so I've gone across the road from North Middlesex Hospital there's one Turkish shop and I've bought the big Turkish bread mm-hmm. and butter like and cheese, I remember. Oh my God. And I'm rushing back and I'm buttering the bread and I'm feeding him the bread. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Me. Mm. Yeah, it's madness. It's madness. It's madness. And I think that um, the other thing is that I don't think we always. Um, we always acknowledge the relationship between this collective trauma or this hood trauma and the acts of violence being committed by particularly young black men. Mm. Um, I saw on Twitter yesterday there was someone that I follow who actually, generally speaking, I think I like a lot of her views. Okay. Um, but then she was saying something along the lines of like... Uh, poverty basically saying that don't conflate poverty with violence or the need to be violent or something along those lines 
because there's obviously statistically there are more people living in poverty that are not perpetrators of serious violent crimes uh-huh. than there are that are perpetrators of serious uh-huh. violent crimes, which I see the truth in what you're saying. But um, I I just disagreed. I just thought there was a real simplistic... And, and her argument was that it's a very simple connection to say, oh, because you're living in poverty you're more inclined to be violent or whatever. Um, and her, so her argument was that's too simple. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I argue that her, I would argue that actually her perspective is is a little bit simple mm-hmm. because I think that there are some real, um, real nuanced experiences of a lot of these in this context of street crime or street violence or whatever I don't know what to call it but just when people are getting killed in the hood I think that there is a real kind of context that we need to take into account so I've worked with young people or work with young people that genuinely believe and actually there's some truth in it that if they do not if they do not protect themselves adequately, mm. they will be victims. Yeah. And that, and there's some truth in that. Mm. So actually, when you're... And that, and then a lot of that, and if you look at a lot of the factors that have pushed um, violence in the hood, a lot of it comes from poverty, in my view, or a lot of it comes from deprivation mm. on many levels. So be that emotional deprivation, that being deprived of love, being deprived of family, being deprived of your basic human needs be that like whatever it is um looked being looked neglected ultimately it's a lot of mm-hmm. neglected young people um and a lot of that neglect is starts from your parents being able to provide for you financially mm-hmm. or provide all of the things that are required to raise a, a healthy child um and so yeah so i think acknowledging that a lot of these perpetrators of violence, of 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 murder, are traumatized themselves. I think um, when you said violence, um, I thought I immediately thought, what do you mean by violence? And not you, the girl mm, on Twitter. Mm, mm. What is violence? Because violence is taking a man's phone and saying what? Mm-hmm. That's violent. Mm-hmm. Violence is taking a girl into the block who has agreed that she's going to perform a sexual act, but then bringing your boy and being like, oh, no, but just do it. Like, mm-hmm. it's fine. Like, no, but my boy, in it. That's violent, you know? Um, and that poverty has no bearing on on that, in my, in my opinion, because I feel like when we look at violence as holistically as I've just kind of opened it out, mm. I don't I I think yeah um I don't think um poverty or like your capital has any bearing on like how violent you can be and how violent you are on a daily basis because I think that there are white collar white collar um people in white collar industries so like your solicitors and your bankers mm-hmm. and whatever that are perpetrators of that kind of violence day in day out they're doing things to women in the office day in, day out, mm-hmm. or they're um, siphoning money 
off of do you know what I mean mm-hmm. people's business or their their life savings or are they murdering people so in the context of of murder as well um when you so I'm talking about the girl's tweet mm-hmm, specifically mm-hmm. um but then when we look at murder and take it like the taking of somebody's life I think again it's too simplistic to link just poverty with violence that ends in murder or violence that is looking to end somebody's life mm-hmm. um for me i think that poverty might be it may be a factor because i think poverty has the ability to put you in a survival mode essentially mm-hmm. um and to kind of have that by any means necessary in order to survive or to have but at the same time, I think that there are, I think that there's a spiritual element to it. Mm. And I feel like there's bare things in this life that like we really have to look at the spirit because I grew up in, in a lot of, a lot of poverty. Um, and poverty, like there's poverty and then there's poverty that makes you physically uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where you, I think that's where the survival mode comes in mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And I've had poverty that, that's made me physically uncomfortable. So I've been cold because we can't put on the mm-hmm. heat in. And I've been, um, I've had to wash in cold water because there's no hot water. Mm-hmm. So I've had poverty that's made me physically uncomfortable. However, that survival mode that may have kicked in and the way that my phys- like physiology may have reacted to being cold or being hungry or whatever hasn't put me in a place where I will do anything to eat or I will do anything to get money mm-hmm. to be able to now be warm but there are some people that will, they don't have many boundaries when it comes to, like, I need comfort mm-hmm. or I need to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a spiritual thing. I truly believe that that's a spiritual okay. thing that pushes you to that place where you, you are boundless. You have no boundaries. Mm. And that's, that survival mode puts you in that place. My survival mode doesn't put me in that place. I still have morals. I, my moral compass is still strong in that survival mode. So if I had to go back to that place where I'm cold or I'm hungry or whatever, there's particular things I, w- I would not do. Mm. Um, so if I decided that I was going to maybe have a, I could have a relationship with someone that I don't necessarily want to have a relationship with um, because I know that I will be able to be warm and fed and like looked after in that, in that context or in that arena with that person however I wouldn't rob them Mm. even though I might be able to I wouldn't rob them I wouldn't steal from them um I wouldn't take the piss out of them um but I would be in a in that situation and knowing in my mind that when I'm good I'm out Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. which is not good but there's my, boundaries. There's, boundaries to, there's certain to, things you would be yeah. willing to do for the comfort. So in that, yeah, and I think it's it's a it's a spirit thing, isn't it? But yeah, mm-hmm. I find that really interesting. Mm. I don't. I find it really interesting just because I think I agree with you and her that it's not as simple as I'm in poverty now, I'm a murderer. Mm. But then I do think that for this particular context of violence, and when it comes to like murder, mm-hmm. um. I do think that there is a real specific, there are real specific experiences that are linked to poverty that can become a catalyst for these behaviours. So not saying that it is directly like, because you're poor, you're going to become a murderer. Mm. Of course, that is just dumb, in it? But I think that there are like real 
experience, like there's experiences that you're more inclined to have because you're poor that are that are more likely to make you not even make you violent in that way but expose you to violence mm. and that type of violence yeah. and then you're more inclined to become a perpetrator of it mm. or a victim of it mm. in i'm talking very much like in this in these hood murders or these people that die in the hood or whatever mm. i think that there, there's a context there that like it's mm. not just I don't think it is as simple as that are if 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 evil people that live in the hood mm. all their mm. spirits are bad and mm. they're all clumped up together with bad spirits killing each other. Mm. Um and I do think that there are some real like socioeconomic factors mm -hmm. that um make people from certain environments more likely to be perpetrators of this type of violence. Mm. And that's not saying that you can't surpass it. So it's not saying that there are, like, like she rightfully pointed out, um, there are more people in the hood that are not out here killing people mm. than the ones that are. Mm. Um, but I, I do think to ignore it or to, to, to suggest that poverty plays no role in the violence is, I don't think that's true or accurate. Mm. I think um, for me, though, so I do agree that there are many factors, but I do, I do truly feel foundationally it's a spiritual thing. Mm. Um, and then you add the poverty, you add the socioeconomic factors on top of it. And I think that makes you maybe more able to commit a, a, a vicious act of violence that that can result or is consequentially like the taking of somebody's life. Um, I think I could take someone's life. Really? I don't think I've got a dark spirit. But what are you taking? What is the? I wouldn't just to put that out there because mm. <laughs> I, 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 it's not gonna happen, in it. I'm not gonna mm. take someone's life. Because I mean, I feel like we've had conversations, and it's like, oh, if so, like if my daughter was one of the kids abused by R. Kelly. For example, mm, 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 mm. you have the capacity to take R. Kelly's life, having done that to your child. That's something that I would, like, if you ask me, do, do you agree or will you say, yes, that's me too, Jade? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't be like, oh, no. Like, I probably would. Like, I could see myself in that mm. moment or that place, you know, and I probably could. But I think in terms of, like, the the ferocity of of the violence so like nipsey got shot six times yeah, you know so the ferocity is one element of it and also we're not these killings are not because you raped my sister these killings are not because you raped my daughter these killings are not because like you haven't done any like you you some of the killings are like oh you you killed my boy but a lot of it is like, a, it's an indirect thing. It's like your boy done something to my boy in 2013. But that, that's our social, or that's our, not social, but that's our moral compass. So that's our understanding of what's acceptable. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm talking about. And that's where mm -hmm. I think it, if you think it, that's where what I'm talking about in terms of the poverty element mm -hmm. is that in my context, 
if someone rapes my child, that's a green light or not mm. a green light, but that's mm. so um, morally acceptable. And I think that people with different moral, con- like the the construct of their morality, mm-hmm. is framed in a hood context. These things are justifiable to them. But my morality was essentially also developed in a hood context. I I saw violence. I've seen. I saw a gun. I think I was seven. Like I don't. Know. And and it wasn't just like oh, like you just saw the gun and it was on the table. Like it was being pointed at somebody. Um, I don't know. But I feel like as we're talking, like mm. we're opening up like mm. bare pl- like places. Mm-hmm. So I just I I don't think I don't think many things are definitive. Like in mm-hmm. this life, I agree. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. and also maybe my relationship with just anger, and I used to have a temper, you know, mm. and I used to like, I used to fight in it. Mm. So I used to like, and I've had fights, and the outcome of them, some of those fights, still haunt me. Mm. That I was able to do that to somebody, and in that moment was not thinking, and didn't even care. Mm. Even after the fight at the time, mm. like hindsight, I can look back and be like, that's mad. It's like, mm. why did you do that to people? Mm. Why did you do that to that person? And people have, there's particularly one incident where, um, yeah, man, it was, it was very, it was, it was, Muslim. yeah, it was a methadine. It really was. Um, and I've had to do a lot of forgiving myself for that, from that particular incident. Um, and if I took her life that day, and it was a big woman, like a big woman for me, and if I took her life that day, I, I could have taken her life that day. Mm. And there was nothing, it was not, it wasn't like, oh, I stopped because I something in my head said, no, now you're being too violent. Mm. I could have taken her life mm. that day, but by God's mercy and grace, mm-hmm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been in situations where my anger and being consumed by anger in that way. And again, so the context of, or the, the way in which I've, I knew to express that anger and that pain was through violence. Mm. Um, and that is very much linked to my trauma. So yeah, with the, I think the original point that I was trying to make was that I feel like we, I don't like the, victim perpetrator dichotomy okay and i think very much i see violence very much on a spectrum and i see i believe that um more time people that are able to that be perpetrators or murderers yeah oftentimes let me not say more time but oftentimes they themselves have experienced victimhood maybe internalized that victimhood and expressed their rage or disdain for whatever it is they've experienced it's almost like conquering it's almost like i'm gonna do you before you do me yeah you're definitely right Mm. yeah i do agree and we spoke a lot yesterday at the conference about that like being a narcissist because so a narcissist is essentially 
there's a spiritual element to it as well but also like you you essentially live in a survival mode so your manipulation your treatment of people comes from a place where you are like you need to survive Mm -hmm. and it's almost like you've created a world in your mind where you're you're navigating and you're trying to survive by any means necessary essentially so you will do you have no morals or you you lack um a strong moral compass so there's not many things that you won't do in order to 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 survive mm-hmm. um and yeah a lot of it usually comes from um childhood trauma childhood like being a victim in childhood so whether you were a victim of severe like physical abuse or like um severe neglect um so you're right. I think that it is it is essentially like you've internalized your victimhood. You've created a world where like in your mind where everybody is essentially out to get you, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, and no one is safe. Um, and so you've got to navigate through any means necessary to to survive. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. So yeah, I get I get you, I hear you and I I definitely, I see it, I see that. And that's why, obviously in my work, we t- there's all this talk about a public health approach mm-hmm. to dealing with the violence. I hate that term. I hate anything in youth work that is just a buzzword mm. because bare people, public health, public health, what are you talking about? You yeah. don't even know, what does it mean? Yeah. Uh, there's not a collective understanding of it, but that's another thing. But I do think that we do need to look holistically at solutions. Like I don't think so in this, in in the way that this episode or what we've spoken about has proper gone everywhere. Like we've gone mm-hmm. from the girls to to what like we've gone everywhere. Like I think there's and we have not we've just scratched the surface, we've actually you know. Scratched the surface. Um I feel like when we're looking at solutions to these problems, again we need to have a kind of holistic outlook at how we're gonna deal with how we're gonna deal with it and we need to acknowledge that often practitioners or people that are tasked to deal with this Mm. um i'll speak for myself and i know many of my friends that are in the field doing similar work um are also experiencing our own trauma so yeah. in the way that if i if if I've, I've got a session on friday and we're going to talk about drill and like yeah we're going to talk about drill and um that different things so i've planned that session call and i know that a lot of the young women in the group have were close friends with somebody a drill artist that was killed mm-hmm. um and so, so that's why I'm, and that's kind of a segue into that um and we need to acknowledge that as they're telling me their story, it's going to trigger yep. parts of my own. Yep. And so I think it's important that we understand that it's a community issue. So it's not just young black boys that are killing themselves, mm. which is what the media would have us believe. Mm. That, that's, that's, not, that's not the issue. That's mm. maybe the visible, what we visibly see is that, yes, um, in london the, vis- the visible consequence yeah mm. yeah exactly um so that's what we're seeing however actually this is a proper community issue mm. and it affects different members of the community in different ways and there's a global there's a local as in your borough or your ends then there's a london then there's a uk then there's a like global like 
Nipsey getting killed has affected people on this part of the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it has affected people. Mm-hmm. And those people are going to go to work, school, whatever, carrying, feeling whatever they're feeling, whereas certain other demographics or certain other communities that he's not an icon in their community mm-hmm. or they, they weren't fans in that way or for whatever reason, don't know him or whatever, they're not affected in that mm-hmm. way, you know? Um, and I just think being aware of the holistic approach to, to tackling the, the importance to have a, 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 a actual holistic approach mm. so not just when we say oh yeah we're gonna whatever whatever but genuinely looking with an uprooting some of this generational trauma um it's important yeah i think that was an apt point to end on mm. yeah this this episode was good. Yeah, it was alright. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, guys. Um, yeah, I hope that you enjoyed like what we had to say. Enjoyed the conversation, whatever. Enjoyed listening, and yeah, we'll catch you soon. Have a good week. Yeah. Everything around me.